The epistle reading for the baptism of our Lord comes from Romans, the sixth chapter. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing, so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin, for one who has died has been set free from sin. Now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the third chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. As the people were in expectation and all were questioning in their hearts concerning John, whether he might be the Christ, John answered them all, saying, I baptize you with water, but he who is mightier than I is coming, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. So with many other exhortations, he preached good news to the people. But Herod the Tetrarch, who had been reproved by him for Herodias, his brother's wife, and for all the evil things that Herod had done, added this to them all, that he locked up John in prison. Now when all the people were baptized, and when Jesus also had been baptized and was praying, the heavens were opened, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove, and a voice came from heaven, You are my beloved Son. With you I am well pleased. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Let us pray. Holy Jesus, every day, keep us in the narrow way. And when earthly things are past, bring our ransomed souls at last, where they need no star to guide, where no clouds thy glory hide. Amen. Just wanted to point out as a general announcement at the beginning of the sermon that we are now in the season of Epiphany. Uh, it fell last Thursday, and so uh, sometimes we transfer those readings to a Sunday, but this Sunday we wanted to do the baptism of Jesus, which is a very important reading. But it is the first Sunday in Epiphany, and Epiphany is the season where Jesus is manifested as the Lord and Savior of the world. Epiphany is that time when we see Jesus shining as a light in the time of darkness. And then Epiphany will lead us into Lent and Holy Week when the light of the world, when the Son of God will go humbly to his death on a cross. And yet, as you heard in our gospel reading, as we begin the Epiphany season, we have another reading featuring John the Baptist. And you may be wondering why. 
Aren't we past him by now? Isn't that a step backwards? Then we hear about him in Advent. And as a quick answer as to whether or not we've heard enough of John the Baptist, the answer is going to be no. We hear about him again. Jesus thinks that John is pretty important, so to donate another Sunday to John's message is not a fault at all. And tonight we hear John speak about baptism, which is something that he is an expert on. But you also heard today in the Gospel reading that not everyone is a fan of John. Herod has him imprisoned. A while back in Advent, we heard about the Pharisees and the Sadducees coming and peppering John with questions, and they go away having heard, but not believing John. And maybe this is just another way in which John is a fitting example for us Christians today. John was heard by many, but many of those people who heard him did not believe what he said. And it seems as you put, all, put together all of these different readings about John, that, that the higher up in societal or cultural status or ruling status, the higher up the ladder they go, the less they like what John has to say. Other things are clearly driving their decision-making process. As soon as you put this all together, we are to see in the Gospels that John lives in a spiritual dark age. He speaks the truth as a prophet of God. That truth did not find a lot of purchase among the influencers and the elites of his time. And when, you, when we put it that way, we could maybe just turn around and ask ourselves, well, is our time all that much different from John's time? We would probably have that discussion and come out saying that, hold on a second, we live on the other side of Christ's death and resurrection. All of that stuff has already happened. And even with that being true, maybe our time is worse than the spiritual darkness of John's age. And we could say that for a variety of reasons, but just look at the first, read, the first verse of today's gospel reading. It was, Now as the people were in expectation and all reasoned in their hearts about John, whether he was the Christ or not. Now say what you will, but at least during John's age, people were in expectation. And that, that includes many of the elites. They had heard, and they were looking forward to, in some fashion, whether or not they believed when he came, but in some fashion, they were looking for the Christ. They even had debates. They had discussions amongst themselves about whether or not John might be the Christ. And I don't think those kind of conversations happen at high levels these days. I don't sense much expectation along those lines. Pastor Walther mentioned last week, our culture basically operates on the idea that God is dead. So in the West, we don't consider what he said when we make decisions. And we don't think about our decisions in reference to what he might think about them. And you see that in the gospel, even Herod did not go that far. It is true, he wanted to kill the Christ, which is bad, but to do so at least recognizes a kind of reality 
a kind of expectation that there is and will be a Christ. And our age won't even go that far. So as we picture spiritual dark ages, maybe picture it exactly like that. Picture it as people stumbling around in the dark. They don't know where they're going. They have no light to lead them. And so they trip. They stumble. They fall repeatedly. It is like the blind leading the blind. No one can see. You can argue how you want, but no, none of those debates actually produces light. But we, as Christians, also know that since it is a spiritual darkness, it has to do with the fact that we are sinful, that our minds and our desires have been blinded by sin. And so as we've talked about before, sin affects how we think about, even on a broad scope, culturally, how we think about what is good or bad, what is right or wrong. It shapes how we think about the question like, why are we here on earth? What are we here to do? It will affect what we think the purpose of the universe is, which is what Pastor Walther talked about in last Sunday's sermon. And when you're asking those type of questions, I I hope you see that those are not minor questions. And if God's word is ruled out of those conversations from the beginning, as they are in our culture, you should understand that those endeavors are not going to end well. They are going to end up with stumbling and falling. And we see that though John lives in a dark age, and he does, nevertheless, John fights back. And John fights back a couple of different ways. Number one, he believes the word of God, and he repeats it. He speaks it. And you see that John speaks both law and gospel. John calls out the sins of his age, even Sixth Commandment sins. And John calls all of those sinners to repentance and forgiveness. You also see that John is not cowed. Because it is the word of God, John is not cowed even when the rulers of that age get angry about it. John will go to prison rather than stop saying those things. And number two, John draws people to baptism. The reality of both our readings, Paul in Romans 6, Luke in chapter 3, the reality of both of those readings is they point out that in baptism, you find Christ. And so in a dark age, when we are looking for light, when we are looking for guidance and understanding, when we're looking for some way to navigate in the darkness, John's answer, as well as Jesus' answer, as well as the church's answer after them, So look at the Word of God and baptism. Now, we could add the Lord's Supper, but that came after John, so it comes a little bit later. Those are where we get our bearings. Those are how we navigate. Those are how we see in an age of spiritual darkness. This is where the light shines in our age. 
And our readings today point out two different baptisms. One is Jesus's, the second one is our own. If you want to know who Jesus is, if you are in expectation about who the Christ is, then it gets no clearer than God the Father declaring that Jesus is his beloved son, that he is pleased with him, and then having the Holy Spirit come down and resting upon him as a dove. That's as bright a light as can be shown on anyone. Jesus is the son of the heavenly Father. What he does pleases God. And John also mentions that not only is Jesus baptized, but he comes to baptize. And that Jesus' baptism is not water only, but also the Holy Spirit and fire. That is how Jesus sorts out the wheat from the chaff. Jesus baptizes with the Holy Spirit and with the fire of God's judgment. Now, we could hear all of that about John's preaching, about his baptizing, but then go on to the very next verse, talks about John being arrested by Herod, and we could think, well, I guess he failed. Didn't seem to get very far. And it is true that John goes to prison and then to death, but it is not true that he failed. Jesus didn't think that about John. Jesus is the judge of the whole world. John is faithful in his age unto death. That is what is asked of each and every one of us. And the reading from, John, or from Luke chapter 3 lines up nicely with the reading from Romans chapter 6, where Paul points out that the reality of our baptism is that, that it not only connects us to Jesus' death on the cross, but that if it does so, it will certainly unite us to his resurrection. So Paul's saying, you have nothing to fear from death. Jesus is the answer for that. Jesus raises people from the dead, and you are connected to him. We said earlier that in, in a dark age of sin, our minds and our desires are affected by sin. And so we know that those places where sin is being dealt with, that is the place where our minds are being recreated. That is what reshapes our wants and our desires. Paul says that we are baptized into Jesus' death so that we would no longer be slaves to sin, but rather that we would walk in newness of life. Baptism does exactly that. Baptism gives us new life. We live differently than those around us who live in the darkness and the denial of God. And we live differently because we have seen the light, we, because we have Christ, or even better, Christ has us. In the darkness, in order to see and walk correctly, you need light, and Jesus is that light. He is the guiding star in a dark age, so he is the one that we are to order our steps by. Where we hear his word, we listen. Where we see bapti people baptized into his death and resurrection, we know that he is at work. We know that there he is, saving people, just as he has saved us. Amen.